It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, it's trade deadline day, and we're going live to talk about a couple of weird, unexpected trades for the Raptors, but all told, I think a pretty good day. Oh, like, because when I shot, I expected to make it. So, like, I don't shoot kind of miss. You are Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on and welcome to another episode of Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It is the afternoon of Thursday, February the 8th, and the trade deadline is mercifully behind us. I'm your host, Sean Woodley. I've been covering the Toronto Raptors now, of course, for 10 seasons on various platforms. You can follow my work over on the website that sucks, at Woodley Sean. You can find the show on Instagram, at Lockdown Raptors. And you can join us over right now on the Lockdown Raptors Discord server. The link is in the description of this live podcast right now. You can join us on the Discord. It's a great spot to be among friends and among little trade deadline sickos and piggies just like you. I uh, can't get enough of it in there, so come hang out. And mercifully, now the fake trade sickos chat in the Discord will surely be dead for months after the deadline, right? Right? We're done fake trades for, 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 for a little while? I, I highly doubt it because people are sickos. But either way, come hang out with the sickos. Link in the description of the podcast. We'd love to see you join our listener family over there on Discord. Uh, reminder, as always, you can find this podcast for free wherever you get your podcasts on the audio app side of things. Follow, subscribe, rate, review, tell a friend. Always appreciated. You can also go and support the show by going, of course, to this YouTube channel. And if you're here and haven't yet hit the subscribe button that's right below you, click that button. Helps me out, boosts my ego, and uh, makes us more visible. You can also hit the notification bell so you never miss an episode when the show goes live or when the episodes of the day premiere. So thanks in advance for doing all of that. Okay, on today's show, which is brought to you by our pals over at Prize Picks, we are going to dive into all of the moves from trade deadline day a couple of moves and a big move that did not happen in particular for your toronto raptors we'll examine them all coming up today uh dennis schroeder to the brooklyn nets that's a weird one we'll sort of peel back the layers of that onion together bruce brown stays put and i think that's just fine by me i know some people disagree but we'll get into that of course you can come hang out in the comments as well and all that good stuff um, I'm probably not going to interact too much with the comments until maybe later in the show because my brain doesn't work that way and I will get totally derailed from the podcast, but talk amongst yourselves in the comments and, uh, have a good time in there. Of course, we'll start though with, I think the biggest trade of the day, is that fair to say? Um, you know, it's, it's an interesting, not, not maybe league wide. I think the Knicks trade was probably the biggest one, but as far as Raptors business goes, this was the big move and it was the first move. It was one that happened while I was recording this morning's podcast as the Toronto Raptors have acquired Kelly Olynyk and Ochai Abaji from the Utah Jazz in exchange for 
Kyra Lewis Jr., great, lovely Toronto Raptors legend, Kyra Lewis Jr., Otto Porter Jr., who played almost as many games as Kyra Lewis Jr. over his two seasons with Toronto. That's a sad one to see, but obviously did not quite work with Otto Porter Jr., and that's fine. And the first-round pick, one of the first-round picks that came back in the Pascal Siakam trade, that trade being, or that pick being the worst of the Clippers or Thunder, essentially. The Rockets and Jazz are also tied into that one as far as who it gets conveyed to, but it'll be the worst of the Clippers or the Thunder pick. So probably the 29th pick in the draft, the 28th pick in the draft, not a very good pick. And so the Raptors use that pick in a draft where they already had a couple of extra picks, you know, probably going to be like what 18 from the Pacers, 31 from the Pistons or 32. If the Pistons keep on winning like the juggernaut, they seem to be uh, either way. The Raptors use one of those extra picks in the back part of this year's draft to go and get a player in Ochai Abaji, who I think is more likely than any unnamed teenager X they might have taken with that 28th or 29th pick in this year's draft to become like a member of the Scotty Barnes core over the coming years, or at least become a rotation piece on a team where Scotty Barnes is entering his early prime. Agbaji struggled this season, uh, specifically shooting-wise. And this is after not struggling, notably, to start the year, where he began the season shooting 63% from the corners up until about December 15th. After that, it's dropped off precipitously uh, down, I believe, in the 20s from three-point range from the corners uh, in that time. So it's been a weird up-and-down season. I spoke with David Locke, who, of course, hosts Locked on Jazz. He's the grand poobah of the Locked On Podcast Network earlier today. He said that Ochai Agbaji is maybe just his favorite guy he's ever dealt with in his time covering the Utah Jazz. And he's been covering the Utah Jazz for a very long time. Uh, seems to be a very highly regarded just guy to have around your team, a lovely person who works hard and all that stuff. Of course, he's a winner from his time in college and all that stuff too with Kansas. Hey, Jayhawks reunion between him and Grady Dick. That's fun. Um, but yeah, Agbaji is, I think, a nice little flyer here for the Raptors, but frankly, I think Kelly Olynyk is the bigger part of this trade for the Raptors. Bobby Webster just spoke uh, to the media before I popped on here, and he was pretty glowing in his praise for Olynyk. and it sounds as though Olynyk wants to be in Toronto, and that an extension is not even off the table uh, in the next little while here. He is extension eligible right now. They can extend him, I believe, for up to two years, which, hey, for a 33-year-old guy, that's maybe a perfect amount of time to go and extend him for. And with Olenek, I know the sort of blushed response is, you traded a first-round pick for a 33-year-old guy? That's a buying move! Which, like, it's not a buying move. It's just a trade to improve your basketball team and your position going forward. And the position of this team is they're figuring things out. They're recentering around Scotty Barnes. They're trying to reestablish some sort of culture. They're trying to build from the ground up. And a guy like Kelly Olenek, a 33-year-old sage vet who has been awesome this season for Utah, who brings playmaking, who brings three-point shooting, who brings just sort of like veteran acumen. That's an incredibly valuable player to have on a team that is learning and building and trying to bring itself up from where it currently is stationed. And if you want to sort of get an idea of why a player like Olenek can be helpful, can be conducive, to a developmentally friendly environment, uh, simply ask the 2023-24 Utah Jazz, who are going to be a much worse team now without Kelly Olynyk tying things together for that squad. He's been fantastic this season, like 8-4-4, four, and four, nice shooting splits, really connective play, 
you know, he's been really, really good for this Utah Jazz team. And I think he's going to be a perfect addition to what the Raptors are doing. You know, I, we'll get into Thad Young, who is no longer on the Raptors, but I think we're going to see Kelly Olynyk just kind of do a supercharged version of what Thad Young has been over the last six weeks or so, where he's come in, been a, an agent for greasing the offensive wheels, and has just been a really nice piece to count on. But he does it at six foot eleven and not six foot eight, and so there's actually a little bit more in terms of like length and defensive uh, ability there from Kelly Olynyk too. I like that addition. And if they're going to keep him around on a cheap deal for the next couple seasons, why not give yourself 48 minutes of center play between Jakob Pertl and Kelly Olenek, where you have varied skill sets. Of course, they can go small with Scotty Barnes at the five as well. That's a look that's going to be in their bag, but they don't have to lean on that now. You know, this, I think, sat, you know, sort of softens the blow of losing Christian Coloco uh, due to the health reasons, obviously, that he's no longer with the Toronto Raptors. That was a big loss this season, not having a steady backup who could go in and kind of offer a different look from Jakob Pertl. Olenek very much does that. A different type of player, obviously, than Christian Coloco was, but I think still, backup center play, very valuable. This team has needed it. There's a reason Thad Young's looks so good as a small ball five doing these things. Olenek's just a better version of that. And if you can keep him around for a couple years, uh, you know, at 10, 12 million bucks a year, I think that's a perfectly tidy piece of business for a draft pick that, you know, there's there's only so much you can do with three picks in one given draft. You can only draft so many rookies and give them ample enough playing time and opportunity to develop. I think turning one of those picks into an actual piece who can help the sort of developmental side of things while also getting a flyer in a Baji who just might become like a nice eighth man for you who brings some perimeter defense, which this team sorely needs. I think it's a really nice little move here for the Raptors. It's not sexy by any means, and it seems on the surface like some kind of buying move, but I think it really is just a move kind of investing further in this reimagined vision of the team around Scotty Barnes. And I'm quite looking forward to seeing how Olenek and Abaji figure into the mix. You would think both will be in the rotation. My sort of theoretical rotation is basically the same starting five we've seen with Gary Trent. You're not getting moved. So you'll see the starting five of quickly Trent, uh, Barrett, Barnes, and Pirtle. I wouldn't mind seeing Olenek swap in for Trent, honestly. If you want to go a little bit bigger, I have no problem with that. But off the bench, you'll have Olenek, you'll have Agbaji, you'll have Grady Dick, you'll have Bruce Brown. Jordan Wara maybe figures in and gets some opportunity. Chris Boucher is still around. Maybe he kind of finds his way back into the plans after it seemed like he was very much headed out the door going into this deadline. Either way, I, I think Olenek slots beautifully into that second unit is going to give the Raptors like a, a real jolt of playmaking and just sort of again veteran know-how and knowing where to stand and all that stuff um, not to mention the whole like canadian angle that's fun right bobby webster's talked about this he talked about it today and it does seem like a pretty clear directive for the raptors is getting guys who want to be in toronto and leaning on the advantage that is being a canadian team you can get guys on your team who want to be here. You can keep it affordable deals and all that stuff. That is using your position as the lone Canadian franchise to your advantage as well. So uh, all thumbs up for me on the Kelly Olenek, Ochai Abaji trade. Even if Abaji is maybe less of a sure thing, I, I think there's something there. Um, you know, on top of just being a really fun and cool dude, like there's definitely some version of like a 3 and D guard type in there maybe like an Avery Bradley type at the very high end outcome if you know you can kind of achieve that he's had some spurts of really good play um but even if he doesn't end up being that type of guy I think you know getting Kelly Olenek in the door and not really expending all that much in terms of pick capital is fine by me 
Um, and the other thing too is, you know, I think it's notable that they traded the 29th or 28th pick in this draft and not the one that's going to be 31 or 32. There's actual contractual benefits to having that 31st pick in the second round versus a very late first round pick, you know, very similar talent pool you're pulling from, but that first round pick comes with way more guarantees, higher salary, whereas the second rounder offers a little bit more flexibility in terms of how you can structure contracts and things like that to sort of manipulate your books. So uh, I think all told, a nice little piece of business for the Raptors here. And, you know, it doesn't do a whole lot for me to soften the blow of the Pascal Siakam trade. It's now Siakam for two firsts, Kelly Olynyk, Ochai Abaji, and Bruce Brown, and Jordan Wara. That's not really doing it for me. But obviously, the big sort of tell here will be what happened with, with Brown in the summer. We'll talk about that later. And sort of what takes place in the summer now as the Raptors use all of this added flexibility to go and try to reshape their team around Scotty Barnes. The sort of bill has not yet been printed off as far as the Pascal Siakam trade, although still not my favorite deal in the world as it stands right now. Either way, we'll come back on the other side. We'll get into the Dennis Schroeder thing, which was weird. Came out of nowhere. Dennis Schroeder is a Brooklyn net, as is Thad Young. Spencer Dinwiddie, we had you for a sec, but now he's gone. He's been waived. We'll talk about that bizarre piece of business and the money it saves for the Toronto Raptors. Doesn't everybody love when money is saved by billion-dollar corporations? We'll talk about that coming up in just one second. First, though, a quick note from our pals over at Nissan. Are you the kind of driver who likes to push things a little further, even wonder, or sorry, ever wonder what adventure could be around the next corner? Our friends at Nissan have got a lineup of SUVs with the capabilities to take your adventure to the next level. The 2024 Nissan Rogue is perfect for city drives and great escapes. They've got class-exclusive Google built-in, and it's always your updating assistant to call on for almost anything you might need while you're in the car. Gone are the days of connecting your phone. Google Assistant, Google Maps, and Google Play Store are right there built into the 12.3-inch HD touchscreen infotainment system. The 2024 Rogue is the perfect midsize crossover for your next adventure. Of course, there's the 2024 Nissan Armada as well. Will change the, what you expect from a full full size SUV. You got a rugged four by four that can seat up to eight in first class luxury and style. Tow bigger and explore further in the 2024 Armada. Take the Nissan Rogue, Nissan Pathfinder, or Nissan Armada Armada to go find your next big adventure. Shop NissanUSA.com right now. All right, we continue on here with your live reaction to the Toronto Raptors trade deadline. Again, hop on in the comments if you want to. Talk amongst yourselves. If you want to throw a few questions in there for me, I might be able to get to them at the very end of the show. But I just kind of wanted to do the big rundown of all the stuff that happened today for the Toronto Raptors because a lot of stuff went down. Notably, to kick things off here in segment two, the very bizarre Dennis Schroeder to the Nets along with Thad Young trade, bringing back Spencer Dinwiddie for a hot second before he was waived by the Toronto Raptors and first blush with this trade. Let me just take you through my like thought process as this all went down in the afternoon. First process was, huh? What? What? What's going on here? And I made the plea earlier on today's show, like the morning podcast reacting to the Hornets game where I was talking about what a nice night Dennis Schroeder had. I made the plea to not simply just trade Dennis Schroeder for the sake of trading Dennis Schroeder. This was sort of with the assumption they were going to go trade him for like, you know, second round picks or, you know, a couple picks from some team looking to add him for a contention run. And that obviously didn't happen here. I don't know if this was a trade for the sake of a trade. It was a say a trade for the sake of something. It was strange and it caught me off guard. And originally I was like, okay, well, you trade Schroeder 
you are getting back Dinwiddie, who is off the books. You know, if, if they were going to take it to free agency this summer, 18 million bucks coming off the books. They've obviously waived him, but that money's no longer on their books. Um, so that's, you know, some savings, I suppose, long term. I think there's like a small hit for waiving him while he's still under contract. But, you know, that's not for me to worry about. That's for the cap nerds to worry about. Either way, uh, my thinking originally was, OK, well, you bring Dinwiddie back. You save some money long term. You get off of Dennis's money for next season and you still have competent backup point guard play. This was still at the time where it seemed like they were going to trade Bruce Brown as well. And my biggest thing was you simply cannot punt on quality backup point guard play if you're going to finish off this season. Because as much as everyone wants to tank for the pick, oh my God, the pick, the pick, the truth of the matter is it's very unlikely the Raptors fall lower than sixth in the lottery odds. The the, the, the Blazers are playing all right. Maybe the Blazers pass the Raptors, but... The Memphis Grizzlies have lost six in a row and have no players and are probably going to fully pack it in for the rest of this season. They traded away Xavier Tillman, traded away Steven Adams in a deal that did not add anything to their team. Obviously, Adams wasn't helping them this year either, but it seems like it's pretty obvious the Grizzlies have said, you know what, we're going to go into the tank here. And so that leaves the Raptors, even if the Blazers pass them, I don't think it's realistic they keep pace of sucking as bad as the Memphis Grizzlies. And so that leaves them in the position here where the lowest they can fall in the lottery is the sixth spot. And to me, because that leaves you with just a 45% chance of even keeping your top six protected pick, of course, sent out last deadline in the Aka Pirtle trade, because of that reality, to me, it's basically irrelevant where the Raptors finish, sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth in the lottery. Just play out the season, be in the interest like played out in the interest of having like developmentally productive basketball get some real reps try to actually win games whether you make the plan or you whether you don't that's irrelevant too where they finish does not matter to me because they cannot finish lower than sixth in the or, or better than sixth in the lottery odds and so at best keeping their pick is a coin flip and with that it's out of your control it's in the hands of the lottery gods what you can control is playing real basketball. And I thought Dennis Schroeder was going to be very essential to playing real basketball as backup point guards t- typically are. And so when they moved him for Dinwiddie, I thought, okay, Dinwiddie can be that. He can be a perfectly fine backup point guard. Yeah, there's been some weird sort of you know locker room stuff with him at various stops throughout his career. Maybe he's not the most beloved teammate or anything like that, but he's a 12-point, six-assist guy. He can be a perfectly fine backup point guard for this team. Of course, they waive him. When they waived him, that to me was the signal, oh, they're not moving Bruce Brown. And obviously, they did not end up moving Bruce Brown. I'll talk about why I don't mind that at all coming up in just a second here. But ultimately, it seems clear that Bruce Brown is now going to be their backup point guard. And I think that's perfectly fine. Um, As far as just like giving up on Dennis Schroeder and saying, you know what, we don't want you for next year. It's tough, right? Like, I don't think I was itching to go see him moved. And I do think this is a sort of interesting and not great move as far as you know being as competitive as you can be down the stretch of this season but i also think like the shuffling out of schroeder you bring in olinick who i think is a clear upgrade on thad young and also brings some playmaking chops to the table you have bruce brown you have now some health like yaka Pertle's back quickly and barrett are back you know, the last six weeks have been so riddled with upheaval that I don't know if they're at all representative of what the actual sort of record this team is capable of. And I do think 
Olinick plus a clearly defined Bruce Brown who's engaged and actually is still on the team and not expecting to be traded any minute like it was clear the last couple of weeks was the case. I think you get a more engaged Bruce Brown and I think a more engaged, more focused Bruce Brown as a backup point guard plus Kelly Olinick is probably an upgrade in the grand scheme of things over Dennis Schroeder. And I know lots of people love Schroeder. I know people, you know, he's kind of a polarizing guy, it seems. I think he was okay for the Raptors this season. I think he was very good when he was in the six-man role. I think he was pretty damaging to what the Raptors were trying to do when he was miscast as a starter. That's not his own fault. He's just not a a 35-minute-a-game starter on a team that's being serious. And that was the Raptors' fault for sort of putting him into that spot to begin the year. But I think as much as his play as a six-man has been fantastic of late, I I think they can withstand this and still play credible ball down the stretch because they've kept Bruce Brown, even without keeping Spencer Dinwiddie. Um, You know, it's a strange one. The the rotation now, I suppose, looks something like, again, I went through the starters. You got Trent and and quickly in your backcourt, Barrett, Barnes, and Pirtle up front. And then coming off the bench, you're going to have Olenek. You're going to have Grady Dick, obviously, I think, in line for a big minutes uptick here. Ochai Abaji is going to play a lot. Bruce Brown, Jordan Wara, Chris Boucher. Like you're going to have, you know, I think 11, 12 different guys you can go roll out there with like a sort of like a core of nine, I would assume. So I don't think they're going to be all that hurt depth wise by not having Dennis Schroeder. They, they, like they traded a first round pick and two non rotation players for two guys who are going to play in the rotation. I don't think their depth is any worse off after today, even with the Schroeder deal. Um, I guess it just comes down to, you know, if the plan is to move Bruce Brown in the summer, does that make you have to go back on the search for a good backup point guard? But maybe backup point guards are easy to find. They got Dennis Schroeder with the mid-level exception. Maybe you can go and do that, and it's not a huge challenge or or sort of task for you to go and find someone who can give you Schroeder-like production. And there were some, I, I think Michael Grange might have talked about this on the Raptors show today. I didn't quite see the exact wording of it, but maybe some implications that Schroeder wanted to start wasn't super thrilled with um, sort of the situation. And if that's the case, like we don't know if there was friction about Schroeder's role at all this season, it's pretty clear that they did a good job of keeping that under wraps. Right. I think the relationship with Darko clearly helped with that. Um, And it just sort of like, if it was going on behind the scenes, they did a damn good job of not making it come out to the forefront throughout the year. But if that was a thing they knew was going on and Schroeder was a little agitated about the role, I don't see the problem really in moving on from him. And again, the money savings here are a real thing. They are going to save an extra 10 million bucks this summer by making this move than they would have otherwise. Uh, with Thad coming off the books, you know, they were going to have that 8 million off the books anyway. But instead of 8 million off the books, it's 18 million off the books in the form of, of Spencer Dinwiddie. So there's that. I, I, I think, you know, it depends what they do with that cap space and what they do with the money. We'll get into that coming up in just a second when we get to Bruce Brown and what keeping him opens up for the summer. But overall, strange trade. I don't know if I can even like give it a grade. It's just like a question mark, like because we have to see sort of what comes next. But I, I'm not up in arms about moving on from Dennis Schroeder. I don't think their ability, after all the moves today, to play meaningful competitive basketball down the stretch is all that much changed by having the guys they have now versus the guys they had 24 hours ago. We'll come back, close it out on the other side, talk about Bruce Brown not getting traded, which I think has caused lots of people to be very mad, which I'm going to tell you is wrong. It's perfectly fine that Bruce Brown did not get traded just because he could have gotten traded. We'll talk about that and why that is coming up in just one second. Of course, today's show is brought to you by our friends over at Prize Picks, a very fun daily fantasy sports platform you got to go check out right now. 
All you got to do is pick more or less on two to six player stat projections and whether uh, your players are going to get more or less than whatever's been projected by prize picks. If you get all of those correct, you're going to win some bank. And right now, it's demon time at prize picks. I don't even know what this means, but I love doing this read because it's awesome and the words are fun and playful. You can now win up to 100 times your money with as little as four correct picks. You can turn 10 bucks into 1,000 bucks. Demons and goblins are the newest and most exciting way to play at prize picks. Demons and goblins. Again, I don't even understand, but it's fantastic. You get squares ranked with or marked with red demons or green goblins, and they offer you different payouts. So that can amplify what you're making. You can win up to 100 times your money with just four correct picks. That is pretty sweet. So go right now to prizepicks.com slash locked on NBA and use the code locked on NBA for a first deposit match up to $100. That's prizepicks.com slash locked on NBA. Code locked on NBA for a first deposit match to 100 bucks with prize picks. Daily fantasy sports made easy. Pick more, pick less. It's that easy. All right, rounded it out here. Your live reaction episode to the NBA trade deadline at the Toronto Raptors work at the deadline. And in this case, the lack of work on Bruce Brown. Bruce Brown not going anywhere, going to finish this season, and who knows beyond that, with the Toronto Raptors. And look, going into the deadline, it seemed like he was one of the most likely guys to move of anybody on the board across the league. I think the chances of it happening really went down when the Knicks made that trade where they traded off Evan Fournier, Quentin Grimes, and whatever else they traded off to go and get Boyan Bogdanovich and Alec Burks, a trade that I think Pistons fans are really upset about, as they should be, because the Pistons are the Pistons, and they should be mad all the time. Um, obviously, the Knicks get a whole lot better, and they're terrifying, and I'm really happy for them, because the Knicks are cool. Um, as much as that's not a thing you want to hear Raptors fans say, we have to admit it, the Knicks are cool. There's nothing we can do about it. Either way, the Bruce Brown thing, and there was a lot of like anger out there. How could you not trade Bruce Brown? Oh my God. How could you not get a first round pick? Here's the thing. The Raptors were under no obligation to move Bruce Brown at this deadline. There was no rush to go and do this. I've said this for weeks. The opportunity cost of just trading him for the first thing you could get offered at this deadline was real. You get into the summertime, you have Bruce Brown. You have the extra picks you've gotten from the Pascal trade and the OG trade in the form of 31, obviously. You have potentially, if you convey your pick this summer, all of your future picks to play with and that Bruce Brown contract as the NBA is about to be squeezed by the second apron and you're going to be one of the very few teams with cap space and stuff to trade when teams are like, oh God, we have to shed money here. We have to dump players off. Maybe our star players don't fit here. Maybe we lose in the playoffs embarrassingly and one of our star players has to move to <clears throat> Minnesota. Maybe this is what the Raptors are actually kind of planning for. And honestly, the way they've kind of cleared their decks, set themselves up going into this summer, while I don't agree with the sort of theory of having to trade Pascal Siakam, and I don't love the way the return they got for him, the way things have now been set up, all things considered, the Raptors are in a pretty good spot, and I do think they've been pretty proactive when it comes to preparing for what the CBA changes and the second apron and all of the penalties that are to come in for really expensive teams as of July 1, when the full weight of the new collective bargaining agreement is felt. The Raptors have set themselves up to be in a prime position to be opportunistic with that coming into the league, and the teams that are going to be squeezed by that 
are going to be looking at the Raptors like, oh man, there's a dumping ground for one of our players. No, oh, they got lots of picks. Hey, they got Bruce Brown. Maybe that's a fine thing. If we turn one of our players into a, a Bruce Brown plus picks package to save us some money, that's going to be a real thing that's on the table for the Raptors this summer. Obviously, they can also just keep Bruce Brown into next season. He's going to be someone who's valuable at next year's trade deadline as well. Probably easier to move because he's an expiring. He doesn't have the money, which I know it's a team option this summer, which the Raptors could decline if they want to and maximize cap space. That's also an option. This is the thing. Options, flexibility. That's what Bruce Brown being on this roster still provides them going forward. But even if you get to next year's deadline, there should be something available out there for Bruce Brown. And there clearly wasn't at this year's deadline, and that's fine. The landscape changes, right? And you know the competitive windows for teams are altered and teams have more stuff to trade maybe the lakers are more serious next year maybe the warriors are back in a spot where they're making additive moves whatever it might be teams get new picks they can trade every year as pick you know outlays roll over to new seasons etc etc new drafts happen the landscape changes there will be something available for bruce brown at the very worst at next year's deadline and if you keep him into next year and he's playing well for you and Scotty Barnes is doing the thing again, and maybe this team is looking more competitive than you thought, then maybe he's just a piece for that Scotty Barnes window as well. He's 27 years old. He's not dead. And if you get into next year's offseason, so the 2025 offseason, Bruce Brown will be an expiring guy. He'll be a free agent. And he's a free agent who I think even in his own heart of hearts knows he's not a $22 million a year player. He knows he got that deal from the Pacers who had cap space to burn and we're looking to throw it around, probably in the interest of making a big trade in season, which they did successfully. Good on you, Pacers. And Bruce Brown now becomes this guy who can be all sorts of things for the Raptors, even Bruce Brown, right? Like, I think not moving him, if they didn't find a move they liked to this year's deadline, if they weren't getting the offers, and obviously, you know, the, the Mavericks were thrown out as a team. The Mavericks go and get P.J. Washington, which... I think is hilarious. I don't think that's a good move. I don't think PJ Washington's very good, but that's the type of player they needed more than it needed a Bruce Brown. They have plenty of smaller guard types on that team. They needed some actual size up in front court. So I don't think the Mavs ever made all that much sense. The Lakers never made sense because the Lakers shouldn't be doing anything right now to compromise their future because the Lakers stink. And so that was never a deal for me. The only deal that really stood out as being viable was that Knicks deal if Quentin Grimes and a first-round pick were going to come back? And I don't blame the Knicks for doing something different and getting two guys who helped them address their needs from the Pistons and you know, sh shuttling that pick, the, that, that sort of package elsewhere without actually giving up a first-round pick for Bojan or for Alec Burks. And so when that fell off the table, I, I said this for a bit, like it seemed like maybe we were overestimating the market for Bruce Brown, and that seems to have been correct. But that doesn't mean there won't be a market for Bruce Brown going forward or that having his contract on the books doesn't give them a ton of flexibility while also giving them just like a perfectly nice backup point guard who was the backup point guard last year for the literal NBA champions. Maybe he's not a traditional point guard, but we've seen him run pick and roll with Thad Young of all people, and it's been working. I think him and Kelly Olynyk in the second unit, that's some fun, savvy stuff. You can have those two guys run actions together. You'll have, uh, of course, you know him sprinkling into some starting lineups and closing lineups at times as well. I think there's lots of reasons to be happy Bruce Brown is playing for the Raptors. And as far as these sort of concerns about his uh, lack of effort and stuff like that, now he knows he's on the team. I think for the last 31 games, you can bank on a more engaged Bruce Brown than the Bruce Brown we saw on this team over the last couple of weeks where 
everyone and their mother was predicting a trade of Bruce Brown. And I'm pretty sure Bruce Brown also felt that now he knows he's here. Now there's some like just clarity as to what this team looks like and what they're trying to do. I would imagine we'll see Bruce Brown be a perfectly fine backup point guard who's trying relatively hard and offering better wing defense and point of attack defense than he has so far. Uh, and I think, you know, again, filling in the backup point guard role for Dennis Schroeder, I think he's going to be perfectly cromulent in that role. Um, overall, yeah, like really a lot of sort of the judgment here does depend on what happens this summer, right? That's the thing as far as the transaction windows. We now turn our attention to the draft and the summer and lots of things can happen from there, right? There is all sorts of optionality for the Raptors. They can you go and try to sign a free agent. They're probably going to have like 40 million bucks in cap space per our pal Daniel Hackett. Um, that will be changed, obviously, if they sign Gary Trent Jr. or they sign Kelly Olynyk. Bobby Webster saying uh, today that Gary Trent Jr. is kind of a TBD situation for them, which totally fair. Let's see how he plays over the last 30 games. You know, we look at this last 30 games like, oh, wow, it's like the, the season's winding down. Like, no, this is like 40% of the season still left for them to learn stuff. And that's valuable time to learn stuff when you're going into a summer where you have all these different options and, and possibilities. Get more information so you can make the right decisions once you get there. I, I think that's fine. And we'll, so we'll, we'll see with Gary. But they can have the, the cap space free agency route, right? Maybe they want to go throw a big bag at Malik Monk. Probably not what I would do considering their roster construction, but like, that's an option if they want to go and do that. Um, there's, of course, the trade option. When you have cap space, the nice thing is in the summertime, when you have cap space, you can make trades and you don't have to worry about salary matching quite as much. You can have a $20 million Bruce Brown contract, take in a $45 million player, and if you have the cap space, you just take them into your cap space. It's that simple. That's a benefit. Also, there is renting your cap space, right? You have all these teams this summer that are going to be pinched by the second apron. Maybe the Raptors don't find a guy they want to go and make a move for this summer to bolster the Scotty Barnes timeline. That's okay. You can use the extra cap space you have this summer to bring in other players and get picks attached to those players to help other teams out. You have more picks to work with. You have more tradable salaries, probably expiring money, things like that. And you can kick the sort of cycle of looking for pieces to add to the Scotty Barnes team a little bit down the road. And I think that's fine. Like this is not going to be a one summer fix to what this team is. They're going to be, I think on the prowl for big defensive wing types for the next foreseeable future until they can land one. And maybe it happens this summer. Having Bruce Brown on hand makes that a little bit easier to facilitate. If it doesn't happen this summer, you have other options going forward as well, using that cap space for more than just signing free agents. Oh, but People don't want to sign in Toronto. No, they'll never get big free agents. Like, A, you can get decent free agents. It's not superstars, but you can get decent ones. And B, like, it's not all the cap space is for. And frankly, in today's NBA, where free agency is more or less dead, cap space is for less free agency and more for this other sort of trade machination stuff than anything else. So all told, interesting day for the Raptors. I don't have a problem really with anything they did. The Schroeder thing's bizarre, but I think there will probably end up being reasons behind it that reveal themselves to be more clear, whether it's with the plans they have up their sleeve this summer or just with maybe reporting that comes out about Schroeder and his time in Toronto. Um, you know, he'll go down as one of the best free agent signings still in Toronto Raptors history, which is hilarious. Um, ultimately traded for nothing, but um, you know, Traded for money is, you know, in the NBA where cap space and money and I hate talking about cap space. It's boring. It's lame. It's for the cap nerds. But like it's undeniably true. 
that having money to burn and having available cap space this summer as the lead gets pinched by the second apron is going to be incredibly valuable. And the Raptors have done a good job of getting proactive on that front. Um, that is uh, going to do it, I think, for today's show. Thanks so much for hanging out. Really appreciate all of you for, for jumping in and checking out the show. Uh, we'll be back again tomorrow with sort of more refined thoughts, I'm sure, on, on what's going on here with the Raptors around the deadline. But until then, thank you so much for tuning into the show, for supporting the show, all that good stuff. You're all the very, very best. And, uh, you know, subscribe, follow, rate, review, tell a friend, all that good stuff. It's uh, always appreciated when you support the show, however it is you support the show. It's free to support. It's a free show. It's there every day for you. It can't hurt to, like, be a little nice and give us some boosts up and thumbs up and ratings and stuff in the apps and all that. Um, so thanks in advance for doing that. And we will talk to you again tomorrow with another episode of Locked On Raptors. Thanks so much for hanging. Bye-bye. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.